This is not complicated, just green. And it's time for an installment of Common Sense for Better Construction. We're bridging the information gap to help you reach a brighter future in the built world. Today's episode is sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors, making sustainable construction practically impactful. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design. Welcome, friends. I'm your host, James. And I'm very excited today to introduce what I anticipate will be a brand new product to most of you. I'm speaking with Marcus Silverberg, the founder of Block Solutions, a company specialized in affordable and sustainable housing solutions focused on creating opportunities for people that are in need for new beginnings through creating jobs and reliable housing in a sustainable way through locally owned and operated factories. Their aim is to slow climate change block by block. This is the first of three episodes dedicated to Block Solutions, so make sure you also listen to part two and part three. Please enjoy. I'm a civil engineer by training, and I always hated the old-fashioned way to build houses over there. You could always see where there are lacks education on how to build, and uh, it could be improved so much more. And that's that's actually one of the reasons why I, I've been always, in a way, very, very much aware of the things that we could improve and make things more sustainable and environmentally friendly. So is that awareness come from your professional training or was there something more to your background that always leaned you towards trying to make this sort of an impact? Well, well, in a way, actually, I've, I've always been very interested trying to make things things more sustainable because the thing is, I, for example, have invented salsa products that could be, let's say, having a big impact on a, a global level also. But but the thing is, it's really when you see, when you live in the northern countries like Finland, where you can see that during my lifetime, I've seen a big difference within, let's say, for example, the winters that we have in Finland. Right. The summers are getting much, much hotter than we have over there, but there's no snow anymore. When I used to be a kid, we had, let's say, uh, three feet of snow uh-huh. uh, in the in the backyard. Now it's hardly, hardly we can get any snow over there where we live. Wow. That means that there is a significant change in climate. Mm-hmm. Honestly said, I think that our generation, I'm, I'm 50 now. I think we, we spoiled the thing over here. So now we, we, we need to get something back to those future generations. Of course, this is just one of the million ways to do that. But I, I, actually, that's what I want to do. I would like to leave this planet the better than, than when I came. Then when, when my kids are actually growing up, I wouldn't really like to make a change. The greatest gift that we can give to our children is leaving the world better than we found it. Yeah, that's not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, uh, we're already past that point, but I think that there is still something. Actually, the COVID has actually shown that. When you go to China and uh, nobody's doing anything, let's say that uh, the industries, they can see the clear sky. The water are clearing up. Uh, actually, there are deer walking down the pathways in in big cities and so on. That's actually quite quite fun to see, mm-hmm. that there is a hope. It is just the humans who need to start thinking differently. Talk to me about the way that that uh, mindset led you to this product, its inception and how it came to be. Yeah, actually the first thing was for, for the product was that uh, I was working for the piping industry before, mm-hmm. and I was invited by United Nations to uh, join a seminar in Geneva where they wanted to have actually a solution for crisis management. There was an earthquake in Haiti in 2010, mm-hmm. 
and the helpers couldn't really get there to help the people because they were lacking all the all the materials and so on. So what they wanted to have that there is a solution that they could actually start building hospitals, mortuaries, whatever in just the shortest possible time should be lightweight without any tools, without any expertise. And I said, let's say, oh, I'll give it a try. I'll just try to find out a solution that could be lightweight, easy to transport and very easy to build. And I think, let's say, Duncan, uh, who is actually our partner in Indonesia, he knows how easy it is to build with the, with the locks. So with that ease of build and the lightweight, the yeah. benefits are not only that you can ship it easier and that you can to start to build it easier, but who can build has really been changed. It's yes. just for the skilled laborers who have extensive training. But that is really the point, because the thing is, uh, when you build with Legos, for example, it is forcing it you to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. It is always a 90 degree angle. It's not 87, it's not the 94, it is always 90 degrees. So which means that it's, when you start building uh, row by row, it is forcing you to do it the right way. And it's so easy that when you get a five minute training, you will know how to build with the blocks. And it's just your imagination, which will send you the barriers on what you want to build and what you can build actually. Have you had other product that you felt made an impact as much as this one, or is this the most impactful? This, this is absolutely the most impactful, let's say, solution over there, let's say. And it's it's really that we're using, uh, let's say, recyclable, reusable materials over here. We can actually pinpoint the different fibers that we're using. So, for example, we can use old clothes, we can use uh, wood fibers, we can use textile fibers, whatever is available in the market in excess. And so we're trying to find it in every single market that is there, for example, hemp sound. If there's an excess of hemp over there, we can mix that together with the recycled plastics and make blocks out of that. So we can adapt to the situation over there on local level. So not only is the product potential worldwide, mm-hmm. but adaptable per the region and per whatever the resources are locally. Yeah. And that's the point that we, we also want to create jobs to the local communities. So for example, collecting waste plastics using the, for example, rice husk is one, one of good, good, let's say examples of that. The carbon emissions of burning rice husk on the, uh, on the global levels is contributing to 2% of the carbon emissions in the world. Now we could actually bind that rice husk into the product and transform that rice husk into raw material for the blocks and taking at least a part of the 2% away, which is then contributing uh, on a large scale also for, for, the, for the expansion land. When you first introduced this or you first started to share this product with other people, was everybody immediately supportive or did that, a lot of people have some real hesitation and some uh, misconceptions about what the potential of this was or the impact that it could? Honestly said, I have just had one person who has been against the product. Really? Yeah, that was actually an engineer in the in the United Arab Emirates who did said that this is not fashion fashionable enough. Oh, it's just the appearance, the yeah. aesthetics of it. Yeah. Okay. But that's it. Let's say they, everybody understand it's, uh, you have to understand that the blocks are so simple. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an opinion about the blocks. Everybody likes how simple it is. Mm-hmm. It is actually very easy to design something that is complicated, but it is very hard to design something that is easy. Mm-hmm. And our, let's say brand is, let's say focusing on, keep it simple. The la- latter word, I'm, I'm not leaving out. <laughs> but 
I've seen some of the uh, examples that you guys have shown where it doesn't have to continue looking like the block. I know that it can have sheetrock or some sort of wallboard applied to the interior. I know that it can have cladding and additional insulation added to the exterior. Mm. So once you've got the block in place, is it just the structure? Does it provide insulative? Or tell me about all of the different things that come together. Because I know that some of the things that you guys have built, you built, you use the block and it's done. But there are other possibilities about how this can be dressed up or or wrapped for uh, efficiency sake or for appearances. Yeah, actually, the main idea for for the block is to become a frame, a frame for for building a house, a shed, whatever you like it to be. But the thing is, ultimately, we always uh, actually tell the people just to clad it somewhere because there there are of course the minus side of the blocks also they they're not UV resistant as it is, so which means that they would change color in time. But you can paint it, for, for example, for that. So building a shed without, let's say, exterior cladding or, or paneling or whatever, that's totally okay. You can paint it. But when it comes to houses, for example, an in, like the interior decor and uh, exterior, let's say, finishing, uh, we always urge the people to really to clad the surface. So it's because we're looking for a hundred year of lifetime. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, okay, uh, a lot of our architects, they love our product, how they, how it looks like. But the thing is, maybe I wouldn't leave it like that. Mm-hmm. Because it's also the one of the big issues also, if it's uh, going to be built for, for a house, we need to put uh, some additional fire savings, so like a gypsum board or a cladding, so that it fulfills the requirement of, of let's say, the fire regulations. So we need that. So... If the product is left exposed, uh, do you have a sense of what the lifespan would be in a given climate or in a given uh, environment? Yeah, actually, so so the lifespan has been tested for the material, so it's it's plus one hundred years. So which means that it will last for hundred years, but let's say the appearance of the product will change to that time. But when it when it comes to load bearing and so that doesn't change. But let's say we have had now for for three years uh, built the house. Let it alone without uh, without the, any cladding and so on, so it changes color in that sense. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why we always let's say suggest people to to clad it some. And how about the resilience of it? Uh, you mentioned fire safety. Does it have? Is it more flammable than if we were to frame something out of wood? Uh, or does it resist fire better? Than- uh, it doesn't catch fire very easily, but when it catches, it will burn. It's just like like normal wooden wooden panels or whatever. It will start to burn, but that that's that's the point. That uh, uh, when it comes to fire regulations, the only thing what the fire brigade is actually interested in is in that the people can escape during a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you test the product, it's the the circumstances are so extreme. So it's like when it comes to let's say uh, burning temperatures or whether we're talking about. 1,400 degrees Celsius of, of burning the, in the oven when they test the product. So it's really important that uh, we meet the requirements, but the uh, fire brigade doesn't care about if the uh, if the house burns. They just want to have the people come outside and they have enough time to escape. But definitely it will burn. Everything in the world will burn at some point. That's just about the, what the conditions are. Yeah, sure. Steel buildings still are damaged by. Yeah, actually, uh, steel buildings are very bad actually to be done because they they deform very easily. 
right? Wood buildings are basically kindling. Yeah. They get going. Yeah. But I would imagine that there's a big difference also in how fast you can rebuild after the fire. That easily. That is, that is one of the points over there. Sure, sure. That also when it comes to like we were, we're doing the testing at the University of California, Irvine about earthquake resistance and so on. They made a calculation that could withstand an earthquake up to 9.4 on the Richter scale. Wow. But even though it would break down, the professor that we're, we're actually trusting him on this day, he said that, uh, yeah, 90% of the blocks would remain intact, which means that they could rebuild easily. Yeah. Also, the other features is that, let's say, it's immune for, for moisture, like those kind of, let's say, you leave a plastic bottle on the, on the seashore, it really doesn't deteriorate. Right. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. And this this thing is it's a good thing. Yeah. So what you're saying is that after an earthquake, the, the wall might fall. Yeah. And you can pick up all the pieces and reuse it. Yeah. I, I'm struggling to think of any other building product that. Uh, yeah, clean yeah, that. that that is for sure. That is for sure. And uh, the professor said that, hey, come on, if a four kilogram a block lands on you, and you will not get fatally injured. So right. that is also one of the other features. Yeah. Like in Lombok in Indonesia, when we have a, a situation that, that there the, a wall crumbles down, the people get injured if it's broken mortar. But if it's blocks, yeah, they will get injured most likely, but they will not get fatally injured. And that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us some of the applications, opportunities that you're seeing around the world? Testing is going on here in the U.S. Tell me about some of the other locations around the world where this is being implemented. Yeah, actually, we have actually 23 factories in the pipeline at the moment all, all around the world. So in Asia, but mainly in Africa at the moment. So we're having factory project going on. We had two functional factories, in one in, one in, in Egypt, one in, in Ghana, but then Western, Eastern, and Southern Southern Africa are actually on track. What we always do that we have a make a feasibility study. So we build a model house over there. We invite people to come and look at the product, how it looks like, so that the people can smell, taste, whatever, mm-hmm. and so that they can adapt to the situation. And when there's a, let's say, a positive sign that the people like it, then we go for a factory project and uh, let the local licensee to take care of the business over there. But we have also, let's say, activities now in, in here in, in Atlanta to get a license factory here, in Omaha, in, in Nebraska to get a factory over there, then also in, in uh, Dominican Republic, Haiti, and uh, Brazil. So we're getting traction. They're covering a lot of continents. Yeah. What is the best application of this product? Is it just affordable housing in turbulent countries and underdeveloped countries? Or are there also some really useful ways that this can be applied in a, that are not just for the underserved community? Yeah, of course, you can build anything you like with it in that sense. But but the thing is, because we're a very value-driven company, which we wanted to have the biggest impact, what we are doing is, is really true. Uh, to be able to to give affordable housing for people. So that is the main issue. But of course, let's say there's a huge interest, for example, in, in let's say the Caribbean islands to build uh, eco villages and eco houses or for, for example, for uh, hotel chains. Ecotourism. Ecotourism. Because you know that uh, if we're using, for example, the, the rice husk blocks, Whereas mixed weeks, 50% uh, rice husk and 50% recycled plastics, their carbon footprint is negative. Less than 40% than the normal, the 40% carbon negative, which is actually used, it's uh, actually acting as a carbon sink. So that is, that's a huge improvement for that. Construction sector contributes to about 38% of the carbon emissions in the world. 
So I think it's unheard of that the product could be carbon negative. What are the possibilities for this product if all of these factories all over the world really pick up? Do you see this as becoming something that is just commonplace in construction throughout the world? Or does this really have some limitations or a niche? How far can this go? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, you could use this for partitioning walls for high-rise buildings, for example. When you compare, for example, the weight of one square meter, so which equals to about 20, 10, uh, 10 square feet, the weight for that would be about 23 kilograms, about how much is that, 50 pounds? Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to bricks and mortar, it's about 230 kilograms, so about 500 pounds per 10 square feet. Oh, 10 times. 10 times. So when you think about the situation that you would build a high-rise with, like, let's say, 50 floors, and uh, you build... 200 square meters of partitioning walls in the, in that building. If you have a tenfold weight on the on the partitioning walls on 50 floors, that turns out to be tens of thousands of tons. Mm -hmm. So that that's a huge impact also on that. So we're not going to replace concrete. We're not going to replace some wood. But the thing is, we can decrease the of concrete that we use. Cement is a very good pro, a very very good program. And it has its, its, let's say, use cases. For example, building pillars and columns. Mm -hmm. But maybe we could use more sustainable and environmentally friendly ways to do the partition walls, trying to, let's say, cut down the amount of, of, of concrete. When you think about, for example, concrete, 80% of the carbon emissions in the world is from concrete. Mm -hmm. That's quite a lot. It's really, yeah. yeah. I have to emphasize, focus is very good. But the thing is, we just need to focus on where we should use Limit that to the structure. Yeah, the structure and so on, let's say foundation. We always need to have a foundation. Concrete is very good and cheap material. Mm -hmm. But for example, in Ghana or in Senegal or, or Gambia, they're killing people for the gravel already because there is not enough sand for, for the concrete. So, and they have to go further distances now to get the gravel. And the problem over there is they are already using sand from the shoreline. Mm. which is full of salt. And salt has always a way to evaporate from the structure, which makes it very, very fragile. Compromises. Yeah. I agree. That's the point. Talk about some of the, uh, the support that you're seeking right now, some of the alliances that you're looking for, the ways that people can get involved. In. Send in. Yeah. So we're, we're very closely working too with uh, uh, different UN agencies like UN Habitat, UNHCR, the UNDP. Like, like I said, it, it was developed for the United Nations. And of course, our values in the company are based on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Out of the 17 SDGs, we're fulfilling nine of them in, in our, our everyday lives including, for example, gender equality policy. We require half of the people to be female within every single factory of the licensees that they have in each cup. But we want to empower the women also to be a part building the houses, collecting the plastics for us, and working in the factory. Those are very important things. Then we're also working with different uh, NGOs, also Habitat for Humanity, all over the world where there is a need for, for affordable housing. They are helping us to get traction, and uh, building building also the, the whole process for us. Do you feel like this is going to mean its own set building codes in order for people to understand how, how useful it is? And is there any progress on trying to get this as well understood with the International Building Code as, say, three and four block? 
But uh, that is why let's, we have a good advantage that we have people who want to support this whole whole program that we have over here. We don't have an, any, let's say, reference point from the past. So we, we cannot compare this with the cinder block in some way, but we don't have the same regulation for that. We cannot do, a, let's say, metal stud wall. It's not comparable to that. So we need to have a new approval for a new building code for this, for example, in the US on how to build with that. Yeah, we've been testing the product already very extensively in, in, in Europe, in South America, in Egypt. And now we're making actually the testing in the US. We're getting right codes to be fulfilled. And uh, we have professors who are actually writing the code for us so that we could get the product approved for, for, for the North American, let's say, segment. And of course, that every single approval in each single country will give us the advantage that they can reflect to already passed code. We have the approvals already for, for multiple countries, but they just need to go through them and uh, adapt to that regulation. People want to learn more about this, whether they want to support you, or they want to get involved, or maybe they want to purchase the product and start to use it and implement it, or if they want to specify the product. Talk to us about how they can find. Yeah, of course, the biggest, biggest, uh, best way to do that is to uh, go to the website, blocksolutions.com, and find the information. And from there, you can actually find our local factories where we're working together with. Let's say you just need to find the closest, uh, let's say, applicable uh, licensee who would be able to support you. We do not like that the blocks would see it half of the world before it arrives in, the, in that specific country. So it, because we are very environmentally aware on what we do. So that's why we need to focus on that. We want to push this that to be uh, sustainable and environmentally friendly, we need to have local factories, but in a way we're very much in the, in the steps of the journey. Thank you for joining us, friends, for another serving of common sense. This was not complicated, just green. Sponsored by Creative Interface Architecture and Interiors. Redefining the impact of great design, one client at a time. Check us out at www.creativeinterface.design.